Hello, everyone, and this is your always tactful host, Pendy. And this is Paul, also known as East X Twitch. Wait, that's weird. Where did Pendy go? Help me! I can't get out of here! Where's that coming from? I'm stuck in here! Oh, there you are. What are you doing in there? This little creature called Waraboo trapped me in here. Said I needed to go to Great Log with him. That's odd. I would have thought he would have trapped you in a closet. Hey, 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 hey. No more Tom Cruise jokes here, buddy. I can't make any promises, but I can promise that I'll go ahead and welcome our audience to Tactfully Die, the Slime Time podcast spinoff that covers just about everything in the world of Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die, and the Dragon Quest Tact mobile game. That's right. We'll talk about the latest and greatest with Dragon Quest Tact first. Good. I'm always down to talk some tact. Well, now that the Dragon Quest Eleven event is done, we are right in the middle of Dragon Quest Monsters... Terry's Wonderland event. Yes, we are. This event features young Terry, one of the highest rated support characters in the game. So being that he's so highly rated, he is very important to get, right? Naturally, I went after him aggressively. And yes, I did manage to get him after a total of three paid gem pulls, you know, because they were all from paid gems because we're all spent out right now, right? Mm -hmm. Well, so I got him. And that's good, but the only thing is, this is one of those units where you want to awaken them for them to be fully useful, right? So I bought another big old stack of gems, you know, and like I've I've done nine of the pulls on the stamp card so far without getting a duplicate. So I'm really, really hoping that when I get a little bit more gems, I can do that 10th pull, which is a guaranteed S rank, and actually get him. But it could easily go either way. Were you able to snag him yet? Not yet. Uh, I'm not really going after young Terry too hard after just getting Pissarro at three hearts and Veronica. So, I mean, basically, I think I'm cursed to not have Terry. I wasn't able to get his adult form either. I'm probably going to lay off until the Dragon Quest IX event, to be honest. I hear Corvus is one of the most powerful characters in the game, so I'll probably go after him. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating that they're rushing us all through these super powerful metagame characters in such a short time. Last episode, we discussed whether the international game would ever catch up with the Japanese one. It's obvious that we're getting much closer than before at the expense of players' wallets. I'm scared to even think ahead to Corvus and other must-have units after these past few weeks. I also want to point out, you just said that you got three of Young Terry, which is really cool. Well, um, even though I'm I'm like a decently knowledgeable player, you know, like I run the TACT group on Facebook, I read all the posts everyone makes, and I spend a lot of money on this game compared to some people. Like, I never really tend to get more than like one of uh, a banner unit when that banner is actually around. Like, so whenever people get tell me they get like three or five of a paid banner unit, I'm like, that's amazing. I wish that would ever happen to me. And I think that's one reason why the arena is a bit more difficult for me than some people is like, well, yeah, I got the important units, but they're relatively low awakening compared to other people's units. Oh, yeah, it can be crazy hard to get those dupes. Like the only the only two care, only two banner characters that I have that are really high up there it, that I really, you know, aggressively went after was when Nocturnus came out. I went after a lot of dupes for him. So I got three hearts for him. And same thing with Pissarro went and I got lucky with Pissarro, too. Like if you remember from the last episode, like I, the first 
that one paid gem pool that you get every time where you get a guaranteed S. I got them on that, and then I just was able to get a few more, a couple more dupes from the regular pulls, and one of them was the guaranteed one after doing so many. So yeah, those two characters are the ones that we really went on after, and, and that's been a huge help in Arena. But otherwise, I'm just like you, where I may have like just one. Uh, copy of the the person and like maybe one dupe if i'm lucky i'm also really good at trying to go after those uh crystals that can give you a dupe so i've gotten some uh good dupes out of those crystals as well so that helps i mean typically i'll just get like one of the paid banner unit and then like a dupe and then that's it like to go after two or three or four or more like that get, get gets that can get insanely expensive so i typically don't do it only pizarro and nocturnus have been my exceptions yeah i mean I'm trying to get that duplicate on young Terry right now. The thing is, I already got him on like my second regular pool after not getting him from the paid pool. So now I have no stamp card protecting me, helping me eventually get another one if I keep throwing money at it. So it's like it's scary. I could buy another $80 of gems and still just not even get him. And it basically have nothing to show for it other than like a, you know, a few extra medals from getting duplicates of other characters. Yeah, that's why I, I don't uh, try and chase people down like that, because you're just going to like keep spending and spending and spending if you try and go after more than more than one. Like I'll get a banner unit and then I'll try and get some crystals and get a dupe that way. And maybe I'll get lucky some other some other way. But like if you go, start going heart chasing to get two or three hearts or more. Yeah, you could be spending uh, like an insane amount of money. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how these other people do it, because I think a lot of people are doing it with free gems, which is like, where'd you get all those free gems when we've had about a million must-have units in a row? Like, the game doesn't give us that many gems to be able to do that, especially if your luck doesn't work in your favor. But maybe they just have much better luck than I do. Who knows? And about the crystals for purchasing an Awakening, well, um, those have really slowed down compared to how they used to be. Like, uh, the first year of the game, you know, I... I would be able to do that much more frequently right now. I've got enough to where I could buy just one of one kind of unit, you know, and like, I really want to awaken Santa Alina because she gets an extra movement, which makes her like twice as useful. But then I don't have an awakening on young Terry. I don't have an awakening on Pissarro. So it's like, there's no simple, easy, right choice. I mean, maybe Pissarro out of those options, but gosh, I just wish they would give us the crystals at the same rate we used to be able to get them. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I know there are some people that don't spend that much, but they, and then they just hoard their gems and they get really picky about who they want to go after. Like, I know someone that's in the Dragon's Den Discord where they're strictly free to play and they really like Terry. And a couple other, I think maybe a couple other units that they want to go after. So they get just get thousands and thousands of gems. And when that character gets up, they're like, ah, there we go. And they get a bunch of them and then, they're, then they get what they want. So sometimes you run into that too. So it just depends. Because, yeah, like like we were talking about before, I think last episode, like you got to be careful about burnout. If you go for every single valuable character, unless you are like a huge whale in the game, like you're just going to, you're going to get too frustrated and spend more money than you want to yeah you know and i would have more gems if i had not aggressively gone after santa Elena and gotten her from the 15 total 10 pulls Mm -hmm. but i really like that unit like if i just had one awakening on her she'd be one of my favorite units so you know i don't totally regret doing that gotcha gotcha so how have you been doing in arena i was actually pretty close to perfect runs these last two weeks uh before the week that we're doing now for both of those weeks i weeks i used a team of pissarro vera dragonoid baron and king she slime 
though I'd switch out the slime sometimes with other monsters if there was too much Sizz resistance against the team I ended up playing. Uh, the week before, I had two characters die for minus 16 points, but the last week, right before this arena, uh, this uh, monster land, or monster land, before this Terry's Wonderland week, I was so, so close. I was perfect up until the second to the last day of arena. It was the last fight of the three fights of the day, but then I had a really bad fight on that last fight. I lost one character, and I got really mad because I was so close, and then I just threw it on auto. That was a mistake. Bizarro's last move was a step on that panel that takes away HP. And so when he killed the last enemy, he also killed himself in the process. Oh, bummer. (laughs) Yeah, so I lost two characters in one round. So I went and I went perfect the rest of the way, too. So I ended up with a rank of 102. How did how did you do? Okay, well, that's a very high rank and better than I almost ever do. But last episode, I was worried about hitting master rank one and getting the reward Mm. for that rank, which was an iridescent orb. Yes. Well, I managed to get that, and so did my fiance, who had also lost. She might have even lost two fights, I forget. But she was worse off than I was, and she still got it. Awesome. Yes. Well, this week we have another arena with prizes for each rank, and it's themed after Terry's Wonderland. You know, the top prize is an iridescent orb again. I'm not getting perfect wins, but I've had no losses in the actual arena either. So Master 1 should be a safe bet, even though way too many people are using the noob sorrow on their teams. I hate fighting him, although I am usually able to beat him as long as the rest of the team isn't too crazy powerful. How are you doing in the Terry's Wonderland arena battles? So not too bad. Um, I really love the Terry's Wonderland background theme that they use here. It's fantastic. I was also overjoyed to see that those prizes are here again, like you mentioned uh before after doing that uh, same thing for the dragon quest day week i hope they do this on a semi-regular basis in the future uh the only missed opportunity here is that i wish this arena tournament had banned the use of heroes that would have been consistent with how they've kept everything monsters related in all these terry's wonderland events since it's based off a monsters game though i guess that would also prevent you from using young terry himself so i guess i understand why they uh, wouldn't want to go that far Oh, into yeah. banning people like that. That would have been fun, though. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's something they should try in the future. Just, you know, rule out one or two kinds of two species and just see what different teams people end up with as a result. That'd be mm-hmm. fun. But in addition to the arena tournament that we just discussed, another guild tournament has started. My guild, DQT Aces 1, has lost two days so far out of, I think, we're on Four. the fifth day, maybe? Oh. There's, there's a, are you talking about the qualifiers? Aren't we we're on the fourth one today as as we're recording this? Oh, we're we're new. We're we just started the final the final round. Yeah. So we're so in the, the actual be, tournament. There'll be five and six, right? Yeah. 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 Right? yeah. So anyway, we're on the fifth day. I hate to admit it, but I lost my guild battle today. Oh, Again, shame. This, this is the luck I have. I went up against a team with like four thousand higher CP than mine, but I really thought my units would counter them well. I mean, like I carefully considered them and I had somebody to counter each one of theirs. Right. Mm-hmm. But but as it turns out. The enemy's friggin' Saber Cub, the D-rank <laughs> unit, one-shotted my Santa Alina. One-shotted her, and that just, obviously, that changed the whole balance of the battle. And King She Slime, the enemy's King She Slime, dodged my Squidzilla's attack, keeping it alive and destructive for longer than it should have been. So those two RNG elements cost me the match, and it is very frustrating when that happens. But how are things going for your guild? Yeah, that uh, King She Slime can uh, has a little bit of a dodge ability, and people don't realize that. But sometimes it can pull it out. And I've I've uh, been on the the I usually King She Slime a lot, 
but usually more than more than most it's not mine that dodges it's the other person that, that dodges so that can okay. be frustrating <laughs> but uh we are out to another fantastic start with uh, four losses we lost all of our qualifying matches. Uh, I honestly don't mind if we end up in the lowest league again, which we did. We're in the bronze league. But I would like to see my guild do better in the finals this time. We have a little bit more of a solid plan than last time, so I'm hoping we improve. I hope that works out for you guys. What about those Terry's Wonderland missions? So the event is different, this Terry's Wonderland event, than previous ones have been. It's themed after how the Dragon Quest Monsters games apparently work. Unfortunately, I've never played one of them. But to uh, to awaken your monsters, you don't just, like, grind levels for them like you do get a few monsters from from grinding the event levels but the main thing you're looking for is these crystals or materials do you know what they're called uh they're basically i don't know what they're called officially but uh, they're kind of like eggs and they're kind of like because well in the monsters games because i've only i've only played a little bit of them but usually you have two monsters that breed with each other and so these are i guess kind of eggs of the different monsters that that come together and and they mean i don't know (laughs) something like that whatever they do it's it's none of my business but yeah you could farm it you can farm stages for the the particular eggs or materials whatever they are then when you have enough of them then you go um, to the event shop and you just trade them in and then you get like one of that unit as if you had found it from playing a level so for instance for the events a rank unit the the giant muddy hand is that what he's called you yes, um, like that. yeah you have to get four of these regular muddy hand materials and then you can trade them for one of the giant muddy hand so and for other enemies you have to get two of two different you have to get one of two different kinds of materials so you have to farm like two different stages to get one mid- one of that unit. So it sounds it sounds fun in theory. Like I like that it's representing how the real game works. However, it does seem to mean that you have to grind more than normal to get the same number of duplicates. Yeah, it seems like it might be that way. And I was looking at the game. They call they call it might. Like so, it'd be like Green Dragon Might, whatever that is. Because like I said, originally in the first Dragon Quest Monsters game, which this remake is based off of, you would take two of your monsters and they would go and basically mate, and then you would never see them again. And you'd have the the baby that would be your new monster. Oh. But I don't know if they they changed it up for the remake or if they just used a different way of synthesis that has been used in other monster games you never see those monsters again you mentioned do you, do you think it's because they actually kill each other off while they- <laughs> like like uh, what's that bug that does that praying mantis praying praying mantis praying mantis uh, style <laughs> yeah or, or the octopus if you look up what octopi do with each other it's not pretty Oh no, I didn't. I did not know that. I, I uh, missed that National Geographic special, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the female octopus mutilates the male octopus, so he ah. cannot. Yeah, he can only go a certain number of times in his lifetime, and then that's it for him. Poor guy. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> but I do like it when they do uh, these unique, unique stages like this that are based off like original uh, game mechanics of whatever game they're doing. I think it, to me, it adds some enjoyment to the game. Yeah. And you know, I also like the like these. They they call it the Orchestera Starry Night Tournament. I like that event in this uh in this game as well, where it's split up into different tournaments based off of each monster family. I've done really well there. 
I now have pretty good monsters in all the families, so I was able to get all of the monster medals, even from the EX stages. I only struggled with the uh, demon family at first, but then I leveled up my arch demon, and I was good to go, and I was able to get that one too. Well, that's really impressive. I haven't had much time to dedicate to it. So, like, I've gone through nature, mystery, and was it undead, I think? But I haven't done all of them. Because, like, um, over the summer, I'm, I'm teaching summer school, and also it's, like, kind of a busy game release season. So, like, the last two weeks, I've been, like, heavily writing about and dealing with the new Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge game, which is awesome. But anyway, well, I got a pre-order for mine. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so I do look forward to finishing off that stuff and getting all the medals. Like if you can do it, I hope that I can do it, too. I hope. Well, that's awesome. Well, Pendy, have you seen the new roadmap they just released the other day? Have I? A new rank eight, a numbering event that is probably Dragon Quest nine. The one point, the the uh, year and a half anniversary. I mean, there's some big stuff coming our way. What do you think? Is your is your body ready for this? I know mine is. <laughs> well, like I said, I, I don't like how the game is basically hitting us up for money too frequently compared to the previous pace that we had. But as far as like just the new content, not thinking about that aspect of it. Yeah, we've got very soon after this recording, there will be new story mode hard stages, which is like really interested in seeing exactly how those work, because don't we... I mean, what's that going to be? Oh, you know what that's going to be, I'm guessing? Because they have a picture of the new material that you need for rank 8. Because there's a new... new, new, A crystal. Because we have right now, like, the family-specific crystals. Yeah. uh, And I think that's a rainbow crystal, which is going to be used for anybody that wants to get up to rank 8, in addition to other stuff, of course, like they always do. So I think those new hard-mode missions are going to have a chance to farm those, and it probably has a rare drop like the family crystals do. Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean... In concept, I'm down for it and being able to take our monsters to even higher ranks. However, I did notice in our TACT Facebook group, there's been a decent amount of negativity about this. I think people are fearfully anticipating that it will be really hard to get this stuff, so it will actually be unpleasant to go after them. And it it really well could be. I mean, sometimes that's how the new stuff in this game works. So I'm a little scared of that too, but you know, I want to be optimistic and hope that it will be cool. I'm I'm just glad it's not going to require another iridescent orb and that's good with me. (laughs) It's something that at least can be farmed, even if it's a rare drop. For real. I mean they've been a little more generous with iridescent orbs lately thanks to these arena tournaments. But still they can only go so far. Yeah. And like you said, we have the new DQ numbering event coming up. I do not know why they call them that because that is not intuitive in English. So they really should get a native English speaker to, you know, help them pick better names. Maybe. I, I think it's I think it's because technically they're they're doing what they did in Japan, where it's like, oh, it's going to be some kind of numbered uh, game from the main series, but we're not going to necessarily tell you what it is. Going to be a little bit of a surprise, but because the the Japanese version is ahead of us, like we know we know what's coming based off of what we see in Japan. So that's yeah. that's why we know it's probably nine. <laughs> we know that, but also I think numbered event would sound more natural and communicate better what they're trying to say. I agree. I agree. Yes. There might be some kind of grammatical thing that they're that's correct that we don't know about it. But you're hey, you're the you're the professor of the two of us, so I'm gonna go with you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think they just need, you know, whoever is picking these things, they need somebody to uh, to speak up and help them pick better names sometimes. But anyway, besides that, in early July we have the 
one and a half year anniversary event. These anniversary events are always really great. Like you're you're gonna for sure get some free S rank unit, probably a highly desirable one. That's cool. And then there's also gonna be a bunch of expensive paid stuff that at least um that feels worth it. You know, like when we have the Dragon Quest Day event, we have those those paid banners and they they were worth it. You were happy with what you got. I was happy with what I got. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I, I spent eighty or 120 bucks on it or whatever, but I got super cool stuff compared to like the normal paid banner where you probably won't even get the unit, you know? So we've got another event like that coming up and people have said that the, the special banners for it are going to be like one or two days long. I forget which one. And each banner has a high chance of getting two highly desirable units, you know? So like you can get Seraphy, you can get gem slime, I think, and, and several others, but you got to, you know, you will have to get the gems and they may be paid or like paid or free. I don't know, but you'll have to get those gems and, and pull on them while they're around. So yeah, at this point we want to be saving up some gems, which again is hard to do when they won't stop throwing the high priority units at us. <laughs> I think uh, Corvus, I've heard Corvus is pretty broken when it comes to uh, being a powerful monster you can use in arena. But Ooh. besides that, I think that might be, that might be it before oh. the 1.5 anniversary. We'll see. Good. I hope so. <laughs> now then, Before we get into the die portion of the show, it's time for the tact tip of the day. Tip of the day. Did you know you can modify the team you have on your home screen for tact? It doesn't have to be whatever team you're currently playing with. That's right, tacticians. If you go to the menu, then player info, there's an option for edit home screen display. Then you can load any team you want. That's actually how Pendy comes up with our podcast logos and his Christmas cards. Oh, 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 that's amazing. That was our tech tip of the day. Tip of the day. Now let's get into some die. Every week, we're going to review two episodes from the newest Dragon Quest, The Adventure of Die anime, which is currently available to view on Crunchyroll. In the future, we will also do reviews of the manga, upcoming die console news, and maybe even a little bit about the merchandise as well. So we'll first get into episode seven, which is called Mam's Turmoil. In this episode, the team of Mam, Pop, and Die defeat Legion Commander Crocodine, and Mam decides to join Die and Pop in their future adventures. So, of course, it's revealed that Mam shooting Die in the last episode was a positive. She was not trying to end the series. And Thank goodness. <laughs> and she, it, was, it ended up being a tingle spell that relieved his paralysis that he got from Crocodine's secret attack. So, also very useful skill and tact as she actually auto-tingles allies who get paralyzed. She's probably one of the best A-level characters in the game right now, in my opinion. Indeed she is. Also, Mom shoots Crocodine with Crack, freezing his arm, and then Dai gives gives Crocodine his infamous scar on his eye, winning the fight. And I want to point out that this cutting his eye out thing is relatively bloodless. Yeah, it's a little more bloody in the in the manga and in the uh, the older anime as well. Like it, the actual hit is filmed almost the same way where it's not like really gory or anything like that. But they do do reaction shots where he's like you see his blood dripping down from his face and they do like a head on shot of the face and stuff like that. But they they uh, they made it they toned it down a little bit more for the, the new anime. Yeah, bit of a shame because it's actually weird for him to take such an egregious injury and not even look particularly hurt from it but what can we do hey he's crocodine he's he's a tough tough uh 
an effort. <laughs> yeah, and last time we had a similar issue when when Hadlar lost his hands, it, it wasn't even very bloody, so I didn't even notice that he had lost them. But I mean, I looked at it more closely, and yes, they did come off. It's just they didn't focus on it very much. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty quick. Uh, we also get Mystic Bishop Zabora, commander of the Mystic Legion, and he's introduced here with his underhanded, underhanded tactics. Zaboera. Zaboera. Yeah, so he's shifty, and he's actually kind of a major threat at different times in the show, isn't he? So it's mm. it's cool to see his introduction. First time we see him in, in this episode, he is actually breaching the magic circle or the magic barrier on Dermline Island in order to perhaps threaten Grandpa Brass. Wait, is that the first time we see him or was it the first time he was talking to Crocodile? No, I think I think it was, uh, you know, he we the first time we see him is actually when he shows up on Dermline Island. And then he then after because he basically that's when he gets he gets um gets brass at that point and then he goes to crocodile and be like hey i got this plan now that okay. he has brass yeah that makes sense and zaboeta is a, a really good schemer things don't always work out the way he hoped but they always could have very easily yeah yeah and i like that uh it's cool that in this episode it's revealed that ma'am's mother lyra and her husband were actually party members with avon back in the day yeah. uh, she was a priest and her husband was a warrior and when they show the flashback picture, they are dressed like a priest and warrior class from Dragon Quest III. Uh, they do the same thing in the old anime, but the color scheme is a little off. Like, for example, the warrior uh, uh, costume that the husband is wearing is kind of like this tan brown kind of number. But in the new anime, the color scheme is more like the official art from the game, where it's like more of a pink color. And then like the priest is more like the blues and the yellows that you would, you would expect from the game as well. I hope we get... The Avon prequel manga over here, uh, because that will dive into or that does dive into the background that is touched upon here. That sounds cool. And yeah, any die manga we can get, that would be awesome. And in this episode, we get a little hint that Pop has softened on mom after she explains the training that she had with Avon. So, of course, they have that shared history of having trained under him. And this causes him to change his feelings. Then throughout the episode, we see him actually developing romantic feelings for her. And Dai teases him for it, which is really fun. Oh, yeah. He calls he, he starts calling him out on it and <laughs> pisses Pop off. And it's great. He's like, ah, I know it. I, I see this. What are you doing there? You're ridiculous. And he's like, ah, why, are you, why are you giving me crap? Like, yeah. And Pop is that that traditional type of anime character, anime guy character where he's not really in touch with his feelings or at least he's openly in denial about them, despite whatever the truth may be. And we've seen that in other ways. It didn't involve romantic things, too. Mm hmm. And like in this episode, we'll see where they've actually toned down a lot of the sexual humor that was in the older anime. Like what? in the old. Oh, no. it, oh, yeah. And they, uh, they do that a lot. Um, and, and this and it makes sense because this is technically like a kid's cartoon. Uh, so it was uh, when I first watched the older anime, I was like, oh, my God, they're doing this in a kid's cartoon. But then I realized, yeah, different culture and, and all that. But they've 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 toned it down. So like, in the, for example, in the old anime, Pop gets distracted and falls down off a cliff that he's climbing. Because he looks down to get his footing, and then he sees Mam's cleavage. Goodness. And they also do a puff puff joke as Dai asks Mam what it means, and Pop gets beat up by Mam for saying such a phrase around Dai. And this is actually, and what's funny is that this is not from the manga. This is actually all new material. None of that was in the manga at all. They made that just for the anime. I guess they were like, hey, let's put in some more sexual humor, even more than the manga. Both of those parts sound really fun and kind of in line with the humor that the games have sometimes, because, you know, obviously the games have Puff Puffs as a running joke throughout the series. But also, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a show that kids can enjoy, but I think especially in the 80s, the attitude was that they would put in some raunchy humor for adults to enjoy in addition to the kids. And and nobody minded because they were just that cool back then. Yeah. And like you said, like a, a puff puff is like a direct reference to Dragon Quest, which is hilarious that they actually put that in there. So I thought that that was funny because that was like I said, wasn't even in the manga. They're like, hey, let's throw in a puff puff reference because that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, I mean, a show like this, even if they weren't trying to be a little family friendly or in this version, they're never going to have a character get a puff puff. But yeah, like even just bringing it up. I mean, that that's plenty good enough fan service for people who play the games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then. Zabuera presents a mysterious plan to Crocodine to win against Dai. He's he's suggesting that he should do a dirty trick. And this goes against Crocodine's grain because Crocodine has been shown to be somewhat of an honorable character, even though he is working for the bad guys. But Zabuera pressures him into it. He convinces him that, look, if you don't win, you're going to lose your standing. You won't get to be the commander of the Beast King or the Furfang Legion anymore. You know, and unfortunately, that is enough to to tip him in that direction and get him to go along with the plan. Yep. He manipulates him into his evil plan. Darn it. Yep. But uh, so at the end of this episode, uh, Mam decides to join Pop and Die on their adventures. Uh, the villagers and Mam's mom actually encourages her encourages her to do this, and they support her in this decision. They say, "Hey, you could, we know you you want to go, so go ahead and do it." Because you know this is something that her mom did back when she was younger, so she's fine with having her do the same thing as well. Yeah, and th- that was a really fun ending to the episode. It, it was quite good. Now then, we move on to episode eight, Furfang Full Assault. In this episode, our heroes reach Romo's castle, and the the castle and the town get attacked by the Furfang Legion. Oh yeah, and when they get to the uh, the castle, the guy the the guard there is like, "Go home! The king is already asleep. Come back tomorrow." Which is classic lines of dialogue from Dragon Quest games where oftentimes the castles are closed at night when they started introducing the night element starting with three. And I thought that was that was great. It was a, it was like, oh, it's just like Dragon Quest game. We're trying to get in the castle and the guard's like, nope, king's asleep. Come back tomorrow. Sorry for your luck. Yeah. And it's believable, too. And it's even kind of funny the the way the guard reacts when Pop tries to convince the guard that he should let him in because the king knows him anyway. You know, <laughs> He's like, man, we're we're somebody important. Come on, come on. And then he's like, nope, don't believe, I don't, I don't believe you. So then the team retires to an inn instead. What did you think of the inn where they're staying? Oh yeah, I loved how the sign for the inn was clearly influenced by the traditional inn sign sometimes used in the games. So it's in the anime, it's a bed with a purple background, and it even has a little flourish at the top of it that you'll see in some of the Dragon Quest inn signs that the games also have. Uh, and the innkeeper talks about it being quite late to be out, which innkeepers in the games would also sometimes say when you would get there at night. So I thought that was cool. Like some of the inns, inn signs in Dragon Quest game is just like they spell it I-N-N and that's like the the, the most of it or, or that's all of it. But they are uh, they also use that design with the bed and the purple background. So I thought that was cool. It was right out of a Dragon Quest design. Right on. And when they get to this inn, they discover that the fake hero party is staying there as well. Yeah, it's always a treat to see these fake heroes, because even though they were a threat right at first, after that, they're they're used more for comedic effect or just to, you know, flesh out the story. So the fake hero party members have to explain that they are trying to become real heroes. You know, they're a little more on the up and up than they used to be, although they're still basically doing very similar things 
to what what they were doing before. Yeah, and like in the old anime, uh, they actually use this kind of cutesy animation to actually show these things that they're explaining, these questionable actions, how they're picking on low-level slimes or the raiding an abandoned castle for treasure chests. It's really entertaining. It's one of these things where I actually liked how the old anime played it as opposed to the new anime where they're just kind of sitting there talking. Whereas in the old anime, they actually show this in a, in a comedic way, which is great. Yeah, that sounds really amusing. Although even when they're just sit there talking, they're, you know, like making these kind of like relieved and very casual expressions and stuff. So, mm. it you know, it's still a fun moment, but that is even more fun than you, what you're describing. Yeah, and uh, Ma'am and the fake hero Priest are also more appropriately dressed here in this episode when they are woken up in the inn compared to the old uh, anime and the manga. Because in, in the old anime, like, uh, Ma'am's just running around in her underwear and, and uh, like, uh, the Priest, she's got, like, this, like, sexy nightgown thing going on. So they, they, uh, they, toned, they toned them down uh, for the new anime where they didn't, do, they didn't do that. I fail to see how that is any more appropriate, but okay. <laughs> So then the the castle gets attacked. Die rushes off on his own. Mom wants Pop to come along, but Pop shows his cowardice once again. He he refuses to go help, and even he's justifying it to her and to himself, saying that like, hey, I don't want to get killed. And you know what? Die is the reason the dark army's even here. So which is, which is true. Yeah. yeah, and I mean it's true, but it's a really jerky way of looking at things. And you know, oh, yeah. Mom points out he's. He's dishonoring his friend by doing that. You know, aren't you supposed to be a student of Avon too? You know, like clearly Pop still needs to grow, which hopefully will happen very soon. Yeah. And I love to see in this episode how Crocodine is kind of standing there as the enemy kind of pours into the field and goes towards the castle. And then he's picked up into battle by his Garuda. It's a fun image seeing him carried off by that Dragon Quest monster into uh, into battle with his his army. Oh yeah, it's always really cool how they incorporate the the regular monsters in creative ways or just whichever monsters they choose to use. So yeah, that was definitely fun to watch. Oh yeah, it's great. And then there's this scene in the old anime where a poor guard is being attacked by these very evil looking blue slimes. Oh wow looks absolutely hilarious i'll make sure to post it in the youtube version of this podcast so everyone can see it that sounds delightful so later shortly thereafter in the episode crocodine has entered the throne room of romo's castle and he's taken the king hostage so die die arrives and he gets the king away i think die casts frizz to to get him away which surprises crocodile because he couldn't use magic before right so it looks like die might be able to to win the fight once again but then crocodile finally pulls out the dirty trick that zabawara has set him up with so he's been carrying around this box it's got like skulls on it you know it looks like it uh, may carry like a i don't know like an evil marital aid or something but that's not what's in it <laughs> he crushes it it turns out there's a magic cylinder inside, not a pretty gold one, but like a you know, black evil looking evil one magic cylinder for real. And uh, he then casts Gush by opening it. And who comes out but Grandpa Brass. And why is Grandpa Brass in there and, and why is he using him now? Well, Zabuera has taken Grandpa Brass off the island, right? Which removed him from the protection of Avon's magic circle. Therefore, Grandpa Brass is now under the control of the Dark Army. 
Oh, yeah. And I liked how they uh, used Fuddle here on the Castle Guards, or one of the Castle Guards, which is a lump shaman specialty in the Dragon Quest games for that particular monster. Yeah, and that was cool. We got to see what it was like for that guard to be under Fuddle, because he looks at the other guards and he sees them as skeletons. Yeah, and I... Another thing that I really loved about this episode is I loved the nice subtle joke with Hadler as Hawkman C is shown in the background since Hawkman A and Hawkman B were defeated by Diane Pop in earlier episodes. So they had to go on to Hawkman C. <laughs> so they were. And yeah, Hadlar isn't there at Romo's castle, but we see him in his lair and he's being updated by was he being updated by a high Hydra, I think, that worked for Zabuera. So, yeah, fun little yeah. moment. And by the way, also, we learned the name of that monster. It's High Hydra. Clever name. Mm-hmm. So during this fight, Crocodine unleashes his Beast King Anguish Blast, which uh, he channels all of his energy into one of his arms and then shoots it out. So then the heroes who are present go down, and victory seems assured for Crocodine at the end of this episode, although we do see Pop witnessing the blast from from the end. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so so these episodes, 7 and 8, uh, they actually cover the events in the old anime of episodes 12 through part 16 of the uh, old anime. So covering a lot more ground in a shorter time as per usual. Not so bad. Mm-mm. So I promised uh, I would go over the Die Crest art box set that I've gotten, but once again... I have not gotten to it, so no promises this time. I'll stop doing that. <laughs> Next episode, no, I'm not going to promise that this time. I'm going to, I'll get to it when I get to it. I will give everyone a nice review of the set once I get to it, though. Eventually, someday, maybe, but no, I will get to it. I promise, and I will review it here once that happens. That's okay, dude. Just keep updating us until you finally get to it next year. It's <laughs> the show's best new feature. <laughs> so the last item of the show is that I will give everyone a preview of what else we have planned. And, and of course, I will not give you a date because I'm that never works. <laughs> we will do uh, standalone episodes to review the manga books. For each book, we plan to do a roundtable discussion with a couple of guests. I also plan to buy the second book, which I don't own yet. Yeah, for the first book, we already have a couple of guests lined up, so you can all look forward to that in the near future. Exciting stuff. That's all for this episode of Slime Time Tactfully Die. If you want to prepare for the next episode, be sure to watch episodes 9 and 10 of The Adventure of Die on Crunchyroll. We don't use Patreon. If you do have any money that is just completely strashing in your wallet, pouch, bottomless bag, treasure chest, pot, barrel, safe, or even searchable wall sack, and you would like to donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, stop by the Dragon's Den at www.woodis.com den and click on support this site. Woodis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den DQ fan site for decades. He personally edits every YouTube version of our podcast, and he fully appreciates any donations to help keep the servers running. The Dragon's Den website also features an Amazon affiliate link. If you click the link and then make a purchase, a small fraction of the sale will go to support the den. It doesn't cost you anything, and it makes you look hotter to all the chicks and dudes. Indeed. As part of the Slime Time Extended Universe, or Stew, you can direct comments or questions for the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at DQ Slime Time. And... You can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Twitch. Come watch me play a variety of games every Saturday, kids. <laughs> Getting back to Dragon Quest, consider joining in tons of Dragon Quest discussions at the Dragon's Den forums, one of the longest running forums on the Internet. Find it from the Dragon's Den main page at woodus.com 
slash forums. You can also find us and other rabid Dragon Quest fans through the Dragon Questers and Dragon Quest Tact Global Facebook groups. We'd love to see you there. Or come hang out with us and tons of other hardcore Dragon Quest fans on the officially unofficial Dragon's Den Discord server. We'd like to thank everyone that made this possible, including Pendy, Woodus, the Dragon's Den, and comic book artist Tim Sale. May he rest in peace. R.I.P. And a special thanks to Platy for helping me out with our rotating podcast logo. Thanks a bunch, Platy. Everybody else, please like, subscribe, and write a review for this podcast. For more Dragon Quest Slime Time, check out our library of episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Audible, YouTube, and more. See you later, everybody. Don't hate. Appreciate. Time to zoom on out of here. Mm-hmm.